0: Welcome to Recover Strong, a podcast that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. This is your special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. Good morning, warriors. Time to start your day. doing my name is jessica flint i'm the founder and ceo of recovery warriors a multimedia resource hub for all things related to eating disorder recovery i personally recovered from an eating disorder and am here to inspire you to do the same i believe recovery is not only possible but it's worth it that is why recover strong exists to help you see and connect to the potential that lies within you to find freedom from an eating disorder Today I want to cover two essential skills to work with when struggling with anxiety and fear. And in preparing for this episode, I did a lot of research and I came across a researcher at Boston university named Dr. David Barlow. And I love the way that he talked about anxiety in his research. And he said that anxiety is a more elaborate form of fear. And I think that's just an interesting way of looking at it. Anxiety is a more elaborate form of fear and he described, Dr. David Barlow, he described fear as something that is focused. Fear is focused. It's focused on a reaction to a specific observable danger. We always kind of think back to the caveman and the tiger. Fear, ah, rah, tiger, coming at you. This is something that is specific and it's observable. There the tiger is chasing after you. That creates that fear reaction. Uh, nowadays, this can be someone that swerves into your lane while you're driving. Or if you're walking down the street at night or going into a parking garage alone and someone is falling behind you. It doesn't. It doesn't just creep you out. You also feel the physiological changes in your body with your heart rate increasing or or your chest tightening up. Now, on the other hand, Dr. David Barlow describes anxiety as being more diffuse. It is unfocused. It's objectless. It is a future-oriented fear. And so this is why anxiety is a more elaborate form of fear. You can think about anxiety as a future-oriented fear. So this idea too that it's diffuse and that it's unfocused is also important. It doesn't have this specific like thing that's happening right in the moment. It's always kind of out there in the distant future and I don't wanna get to that point in the future because it scares me so much. So I'm gonna freak out in the moment and try to do things to soothe this anxiety or, or numb it or turn away from it, avoid it. And so when we think about anxiety It really has two demands when anxiety is in our presence. When we are experiencing anxiety, it has two demands and it wants to know exactly what's going to happen and it wants to feel comfortable. It wants to feel comfortable knowing what is going to happen. Right. If only I can know what is going to happen and I'm comfortable with that. Right. That's not something that I don't want to happen, then I'll be fine. So the demands of anxiety are really certainty and comfort. And in many ways, this is why an eating disorder develops and sticks around. It serves as a purpose. It brings more certainty and comfort to one's life. It becomes hard to focus on any other problems or emotional disturbances in your life, whether they're happening right now or something from your very distant past in your childhood or any unresolved traumas. If you aren't focusing on those, but you're focusing on the food and the body and the eating disorder, that becomes the big prevalent problem. So it becomes something that helps alleviate the anxiety, until it ends up becoming such a big problem in your life that it creates more anxiety. So the anxiety that was there to begin with then gets compounded by the anxiety of struggling with eating disorder. Now, when I experience anxiety, because I will say I'm fully recovered from an eating disorder for well over 12 years now, but I still experience anxiety. And that is something that is, I would say, part of my temperament, part of who I am, part of being wired in a way that's a little more sensitive. So when I experience anxiety, I feel this tension and uneasiness within me. It, it really just feels like, like I'm on edge and it's uncomfortable and I just need to do something, right? I need to like, ooh, like this tension just feels so strong inside. And lately I will say my anxiety has been higher than normal. I've really recognized that. Even though I've still been doing my daily routines and practices to help me manage my anxiety, uh, which are for me, meditation and journaling and, and getting joyful movement in, the anxiety is still there, right? It's still, I'm still noticing it. And that's one thing is about noticing, bringing awareness to it, consciousness to it, and not trying to push it away. Just even saying, hello, anxiety, I, I see you. You're, you're very strong right now. I mean, you're very strong right now. You are definitely, uh, there's this nervousness that, Something I don't want to happen is going to happen and I just won't be able to control it. And when I get into this state, I know that there are deeper, deeper feelings of being helpless or powerless. That I don't really have the control over these situations. I don't really have control over these situations that are outside of me. Now, when I actively had an eating disorder, it was during these times, right? When I had this nervousness and this tension and I was on edge and didn't feel at ease is when I would find relief in engaging in behaviors. And so the eating disorder would dull the anxiety. It would redirect my focus onto food or weight or exercise, or I'd come up with these plans of how I'd get back on track. But the anxiety would inevitably come back. The eating disorder never helped me get rid of the anxiety. It just helped me find relief from the anxiety. So today, my intention is to really help look at the bigger picture ways of working with anxiety. These are not the end-all, be-all treatment or management of anxiety. There are a lot of different options out there that include seeing a therapist and psychiatrist and being able to find what works for you. But these are concepts or bigger picture ideas that will help you beyond the eating disorder. Because as I've just mentioned here, and as I know many other warriors who have fully recovered from an eating disorder, go on to still live with anxiety. And I mean, geez, look at the world we're living in right now. I mean, how could you not be struggling with anxiety in some way, shape or form at points in your life? So we're going to look at skills that you can practice and with time and integration, they can help you reach new levels of mastery in managing your anxiety, or as I like to say, your future-oriented fear. So what are these essential skills? There are two that we're going to cover here. And, and once again, they are a huge help in managing anxiety. I've personally found these to be so effective when I look at like the timeline of my life where I was totally a novice and you didn't even know that I had anxiety, I thought I was just stressed and overwhelmed with things in life, to now being fully aware that I struggle with anxiety and that when I apply these, I find relief in more constructive and healthy ways. Like anything in life, these aren't a miracle drug. There's no miracle pill. You don't just listen to this podcast, learn these skills, and then woo, your anxiety has gone. These are things to apply, to practice, to integrate. The first skill is the ability to manage uncertainty. So this essentially means being able to tolerate not knowing. Not knowing what changes your body will make as you recover. Not knowing what will be served at dinner. Not knowing if a relationship will end in happily ever after or heartbreak. Not knowing how a war is going to end. Not knowing your financial future. Not knowing when the people you love are going to die. Remember that anxiety is a future-oriented fear. Therefore, we don't worry about positive and good things happening to us. Think about it. Do you ever worry about all these good, amazing, positive things that are happening to you in the future? That would be way too boring for anxiety. Anxiety would have nothing to latch on to. The philosopher Alan Watts once said, Quote, by replacing fear of the unknown with curiosity, we open ourselves up to an infinite stream of possibility. We can let fear rule our lives or we can become childlike with curiosity, pushing our boundaries, leaping out of our comfort zones and accepting what life puts before us. End quote. You can let fear rule your life or you can let childlike curiosity rule your life. It's the everything is figureoutable growth mindset approach. If this doesn't work, then I will try that. It really is just a simple shift from thinking about all the things that could go wrong out in the future to all the cool things that could happen along the way. It's when we are fixed to something being a certain way that we lose out on the magic of co-creating with the divine moment by moment. So sometimes, heck, life gives us course corrections or redirections, rejections, and we have the choice. We can go with the flow and accept what life puts before us, or we could oppose it. We could resist it. We could block it. We could become embittered by it. But when we choose the flow, going with the flow, accepting what life puts before us, we open ourselves up to more opportunities. Opportunities that can completely transform our lives if we are willing to step outside of our comfort zone. Now, this applies to recovering from an eating disorder. You can focus on trying to stay at a certain weight or get to a lower one, or you can embrace the unknown and see what happens with your body, mind, and soul as you begin to nourish yourself regularly with food, compassion, and connection when we talk about embracing uncertainty as a skill it can seem a little abstract like how do i do that Uh, i have i have a couple recommendations one is to look back on your life And find a couple examples of something you had a lot of anxiety around. Something you were ruminating about and that future-oriented fear was totally kicking in saying, this is going to happen and oh my god, I can't even stand it. I don't even want to be there for that moment because it's going to be too much and it'll be unbearable and I won't be able to handle it. Times that your anxiety were really strong. So find a couple examples of these things in your life. And then do a comparison Of what your mind was telling you to what actually happened so by doing this you're actually taking what your mind said would happen versus what actually happened and it's this discrepancy that's important to acknowledge you can anchor back to this knowing when you notice yourself spiraling out of control with anxious thoughts so ah okay (laughs) Haha, I'm having extreme doom and gloom scenarios going on in my mind right now around this issue. And let me go back into my life history and remember that this is something that's happened before and it wasn't as bad as it seemed. And it didn't turn out the way that my mind was telling me it would at the time. This is kind of like a fact checker and you're telling your mind... I don't think you're always so accurate, so maybe I shouldn't be putting all of my attention into what you're saying. It is also helpful to have affirmations that open you up to a level of consciousness that can embrace uncertainty and a greater divine plan that is unfolding. So I personally love to say, life loves me and something good will come of this. Now, this just gently reminds me that no matter what happens, fortunate or unfortunate, I can alchemize this experience into gold. I love me a good learning lesson. And one of my favorite things to say is, if it is meant for me, nothing I do will keep it away. If it is not meant for me, nothing I do will make it stay. So this really takes away the idea that I did something wrong and I messed it up and it's, it's never going to work now to I'm just going to stay open, playful, surrendered and trust that endless synchronicities and support will flow my way at the right time and in the right way. And And what this statement, if it's meant for me, nothing I do will keep it away. If it is not meant for me, nothing I do will make it stay. What this also brings up is the important key that Our ego's timeline or our ego's wish list isn't always in alignment with our soul's timeline and our soul's wish list. So we don't always get what we want, but we do get what we need. Managing uncertainty is a super skill, one that will not only help you recover from an eating disorder, but will help you flourish in life. The second skill is the ability to manage discomfort. This means being able to tolerate feelings. Now, we had a whole episode dedicated to handling intense emotions called Five Intense Emotions Connected to Eating Disorders. I will link that down below in the show description for you. So check that out for extra support on this topic. But in order to sharpen this skill of being able to tolerate feelings, you need to increase your emotional literacy. You have to understand what the feelings are communicating to you. I remember back in the day when I was recovering from my eating disorder, I carried around this feeling list and I still own it to this day. It is like so worn out and tattered. (laughs) It's just, it has been used so many times. And I had this feeling list with me because at the time I like literally didn't know how to describe, I didn't know how to identify my feelings. I felt like a kindergartner learning how to read. I was fumbling a lot in the beginning. I had to take out this list to even know what other feelings there are. And, you know, I didn't grow up in the most, I personally didn't grow up in the most emotionally mature household. And so I had to have compassion for myself that this is new to me. This is new to me to actually talk about my feelings, to describe my emotions. Prior to that, I would just clump them all into... The word fat, I feel fat, or I feel stressed, or I feel disappointed in myself and disgusted in myself. Those were just really the superficial feelings. And to state the obvious, fat is not a feeling. And this is why it was so important for me to create the Rise Up and Recover app. This was one of the first meal logs and behavioral tracking apps for eating disorders, and at the time when I created it, I just knew how important it was to get a tool like this out in the world where people can label their feelings, uh, label them around their meal times, or just in a general check-in to start to build more emotional literacy, which then becomes emotional maturity, which then becomes emotional mastery. When you name it, you can claim it and it loses its power over you. Feelings can definitely be uncomfortable, but they don't last forever. It is possible to sit with an uncomfortable feeling without acting on an eating disorder behavior or any other destructive behavior. One way I like to think about it is you can tolerate listening to a song that you don't like on the radio. Sure, it may drive you bonkers and you may initially want to go really fast and change the channel and be like, I don't want to listen to that song, next! But if you actually had to listen to it, You have the capacity to sit there and listen to the song that really gets under your skin. You know, you just don't like it. This isn't your song. You would much rather listen to another song. Well, you have the capacity to listen to it and wait for the next song to come on and embrace the uncertainty because maybe the next song is going to be a song that you absolutely love and you can rock out to. The same with your feelings if you try to turn away and change the feeling real fast by going to an eating disorder behavior or any other avoidant behavior then you're not letting it fully ride out let it ride out feel the discomfort and then wait for the next song wait for the next feeling because it will inevitably change it comes and it goes so managing discomfort and being able to tolerate your feelings is another super skill Because it teaches you present awareness, patience, compassion, and acceptance. So the two important skills that we cover that will help you manage your anxiety are managing uncertainty and managing discomfort. So I want you to think about a situation in your life, ideally in the present moment, where you are holding yourself back because you want to know exactly what's going to happen and you want to feel comfortable. Can you think of one? For example, someone could say, I'll stop obsessing over food portions and the ingredients in my food only if I know how my body's gonna respond and how other people are gonna respond to my body changing. Or I'll open my heart and get into a relationship only if I know that they will not leave me. Or I'll start my own business where I get to be a coach and help others. Only if I will have the same paycheck as my current job. Anxiety comes up when we have uncertainty and when we don't know what's going to happen. Essentially, we do not feel 100% equipped to handle something. We don't know with 100% confidence that it's going to work out. So, oof, feel a little bit uncertain and not comfortable about not knowing how this is going to fully work out. And what happens is this Saying, I can't tolerate this. This is, this is too much. I can't tolerate this discomfort. And you know what works like a charm is avoidance. Anxiety is heavily linked to avoidance. So you can avoid changing your relationship to food because of the uncertainty and the discomfort, even though it's causing problems in your life. Or you can avoid getting into relationships, even though you feel a deep, painful longing for connection. Or you can avoid taking a risk and pursuing a meaningful career path, even though it's calling your name like a loud siren from within your soul. So avoidance works. It alleviates discomfort. It is a rational and effective way to deal with fear. But a big disclaimer is the payoffs of avoidance are devastating. Soul-sucking. Choosing avoidance means spending a life on the sidelines. And when you spend the life on the sidelines, you do not get the rewards that come from playing the game. Because the reality is each and every one of us have our own unique programmed amount of time that we come in to this life. So just like a game has a certain set amount of time to play. We also have a set amount of time to play in the game of life. In order to play the game to its fullest, we have to learn how to tolerate not knowing what's going to happen in the future. Do you think a professional basketball or soccer or volleyball or football player know how the game is going to end before they start? No! No, they don't. There's no way to know. They have to step on the court or the field. You have to step onto the court or the field and give it all you got and trust that you can handle the situations as they arise. Start to step into the things that make you the most uncomfortable and get practiced in tolerating not knowing because most of the fears we have don't even happen. And one thing that can be helpful to pump you up to get into the game is to acknowledge how fear and anxiety are getting in your way. They are the opposing force. They are what keeping you on the sidelines playing small. So ask yourself, what do I want? What do I truly want? What's interesting to me? You know, what legit gets me excited? Like what am I passionate about? How does my fear, worry, anxiety come up with some sort of demand for certainty that doesn't allow me to move forward? Use these questions as fuel. Let yourself feel the actual pain of how these emotional states hold you back. As long as you have a pulse and a beating heart, it is never too late to get in the game and play. Remember that there are two essential skills that you can practice that make a big difference in managing anxiety. The first skill is the ability to manage uncertainty. This means being able to tolerate not knowing. The second skill is the ability to manage discomfort. This means being able to tolerate feelings. You have a choice to grow through what you go through by embracing uncertainty and discomfort. I remember one time I heard Brene Brown say that she spent years of her life trying to outrun or outsmart vulnerability by making things certain and definite, black and white, good and bad but she said there was a payoff and that was her inability to lean into the discomfort of vulnerability and that limited the fullness of important experiences that come with uncertainty like love belonging trust joy and creativity so when we let fear rule our lives and strip us of the ability to be vulnerable vulnerability by definition means emotional exposure risk, and uncertainty. So when we are unable to let ourselves be vulnerable, having emotional exposure, taking a risk, being uncertain, then we stifle experiences that bring so much meaning to our life, like love, belonging, trust, joy, and creativity. You don't have to let future-oriented fear rule your life. Trust that you are supported and unconditionally loved from above. Trust that you can handle whatever gets thrown your way. And remember that most of the time, it's not as scary as your mind makes it out to be. Hashtag fact check. And above all, remember that you can grow through what you go through.